this series, uh, our series called The Untold Christmas. You know, we, we, we know the story of Christmas. We know the Mary, Joseph, um, you know, angel come in and all that kind of stuff. We know the story of Christmas. Almost even people who don't know the Lord sort of know the story. But what about the untold? What about the deep things that matter at Christmas so much that Christmas made a difference? The reason Jesus really came, the untold Christmas. Already in the weeks before, we have been able to to say Jesus came, first of all, in the flesh. Yes, he was God in the flesh. Jesus came just at the right time. God had the timing perfect. And then last week we talked about Jesus came to make the invisible God visible so we could actually see God. And then also to bring good news, not good advice. There's a lot of advice going around, but not a lot of good news. He's here to bring us good news. The Redeemer has come. So today, we're going to look at another important part of this. We're going to talk about Jesus came to bring light to our darkness. Amen? America is obsessed with Christmas lights. I like it, though. I think it's great. I love Christmas lights. The other night, Peggy and I drove through Hillsboro, and uh, I'm sorry for all of you who live in Hillsboro. All of us are driving through slowly through Hillsboro so we can see all the beautiful. De- everybody's decorated there, and you probably can't even get home from work. But anyway, it is so beautiful. We loved it. it was, we were like little kids driving through there. I love the Christmas lights. Years ago, um, years ago when our girls were, were still at the house, um, Lindsay was a, a teenager. Betsy was right on the verge of that. And, and uh, Lindsay was out with her friends one time, and we said, Betsy, come on, let's get in the car. We're going to go ride around and look at Christmas lights. And she was not real happy about that. Uh, it's just that age where you're not real happy about whatever parents want to do. And um, so the thing was, um, our kids both didn't like it, that we decorated inside, but we didn't have any decorations outside. You know, I just didn't have the time, money, or effort to do the decorating outside, but inside was great. We did have one wreath, a little bitty wreath that had lights on it that we had right on the door, which I thought was plenty. Kids didn't think it was plenty, but I did. And uh, so we, we uh, Betsy, get in the car, get in the car. She got in the car. We were driving around. We were all going, oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Whoa, that's so good. And she wasn't saying hardly anything. She was back there going, can we go home? Can we go home? And so finally, after we had looked, looked around for a while, we drove back to the house and just as we pulled in to the driveway, she said so sarcastically, well, give it up for the wreath. <laughs> and we did exactly what you did. We, la- we busted out laughing, and we have laughed ever since. Every, every Christmas now, we get to say, give it up for the wreath. <laughs> well... That's just one of our memories about Christmas lights, but it's really neat. I like that at Christmas. But the truth is, do people really know what that light means at Christmas? Why is it we decorate with lights at Christmas? It's because of the true light himself. This is what John wrote in the very first chapter of his gospel when he was introducing Jesus. He said, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
Isn't that amazing? The true light. Every other light is a wannabe light. That's true. Every other light. You know, Buddhism, Buddhists have this thing called enlightenment that's part of their religion. And in Buddhism, when you're enlightened, you reach the goal. And the goal of your life is no pain. The goal of your life is to be numb, just no pain. And they believe that when you reach that place, you get absorbed into nirvana. And nirvana means nothingness. I don't, I don't know how that's supposed to be great. You get absorbed into nothingness, but that's, that's their idea of enlightenment. In, in uh, Hinduism, there's this thing called the prakasha, the divine light of the god Shiva. And they celebrate this thing called the Diwali, and they call it the festival of lights, just one of a thousand Hindu gods. In Islam, there's this thing called Nur, and Nur is the light of Allah, and if you, are, if, you're, if you do really good works, you'll have the light of Allah on you, and you will be enlightened by Allah. And then, of course, there are those secret societies like the Masons. They have a lot of light and darkness stuff in their teaching, and they mix the biblical characters in there to try to make it look good. And Then, of course, there's this thing called the Enlightenment. That was a philosophy thing back in the 17th and 18th centuries where these great, brilliant minds, brilliant philosophers like um, Rousseau and Hume and Kant and Hobbes and Descartes and Voltaire and all these famous guys, they were all atheists. And they decided that enlightenment came by reason, by what you could do with your mind. It was humanism at its best. Voltaire was, the, was one of the worst of those. You know, Voltaire said in the early 1700s, he said, within 100 years, all Bibles will be relegated to the museums. But you know, today in Paris, France, Voltaire's house is the home of the French Bible Society. <laughs> and in the basement, there are thousands of Bibles being printed every day. Isn't that great? Listen, those are, those, are, those are lights, but they're all false lights. They're not the true light. Jesus is the only true light. Jesus said, John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, darkness and light are polar opposites, duh, obviously, and it's true spiritually as well. There's a spiritual darkness and a spiritual light. We see darkness everywhere we look. We see spiritual darkness. You can't pick up your phone and hold it in your hand for 10 minutes without seeing a lot of darkness on there. It's true. Uh, on your computer or whatever, we see it on our, on our social media. We, we read it in the newspaper. We, we see it in the news on TV. We see it in commercials. They actually advertise darkness in the commercials on television. Congress passes laws to promote darkness. <laughs> uh, now schools and colleges teach darkness, and they call it light. Um, it's, it's cooked into almost everything we touch in our society. Almost everything. And you know the crazy thing about it? They, they call it light. They call it uh, progress. They call it progressive. They call it learning. It's darkness. It's darkness. No amount of human knowledge or human ingenuity or human reasoning or anything has the power to shut off the darkness in this world. 
None of it. It will never happen. They cannot flip that switch. If we think humanity or an election on an election year can switch the darkness off in our country and in our world, then we don't understand Christmas at all because that is not the message of Christmas. Here's the message of Christmas. It's in the Word of God. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Can you agree with that? Amen. Now, think about it. Jesus was born at Christmas time for that reason, to eventually utterly eradicate darkness from all of God's creation. The other day I was reading in the Psalms, uh, Psalm, let's see, Psalm 36, and I saw a, a phrase in there that I thought, I have never noticed this before. And it says this, it's, it's Psalm 36, 9, for with you is the fountain of life, now look at this, in your light we see light. In your light, we see light. Think about that. What did David mean? I had to ask myself that question. See, David is using sunlight, physical sunlight, as sort of a, uh, a metaphor of, of trying to show us what spiritual light is about. So uh, David was saying there's, there's natural light and then there's true light. There, there's natural light and then there's God's light. Uh, that's what John called true light. Now, what is that true light he's talking about? What, he's, what he says is, if we're in the light of the Lord, then we can see clearly. We get to understand spiritually clearly what's going on. Look, look at these eye-opening words of Jesus. Listen to this one. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if your eye doesn't work, you're blind. But then it says this. If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What? You mean there can be a light that's actually dark? I guess you'd call it dark light. Uh, I guess you'd call it, well, it's not the same as a black light. I used to have a black light. Back in the 70s, I had a black light in my room. That was so cool. I had a white ceiling, and I made black stars, and I stuck them in. My mom was thrilled with this. I, I stuck his stars all over, so I had a reverse sky in my black light room. It was cool in the 70s. Sorry, just, that just happened, but anyway. <laughs> I, I, what makes this dark light really bad is that they call it real light. Darkness, darkness inside somebody that they see as light is very deep darkness. It's like, like religion. Religion masquerades as light, but it's not. Religion cannot save you. Re doing religious things cannot save you. That would be light in you that is really darkness. That's what the Pharisees were all about. The Pharisees knew all about God. They had memorized most of the Old Testament by memory, but they didn't know the God of the Old Testament. They didn't know him because they thought that was light, but it was actually darkness. 
It was called, I guess you would call it fake light. So there's three kinds of light. There's natural light from the sun, there's fake light, and then there's true light. Now, uh, if I had to describe what light is, if I had to define it, you know, you never, you think you know something until somebody says, define light. I don't think I could do it, so I looked it up, and this is what it said. Natural light on earth is the electromagnetic radiance of the sun. I'm smart, right? Electromagnetic radiance of the sun. Now, in the, in the natural realm, we have to have the sun. You have to have the sun. We need the sun for illumination. We need the sun to show us where to go. You, if, if everything was dark, if there was no sun, you wouldn't even know where to go. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what was in front of you. You would run into all kind of stuff. It would mess you up. It's illumination. You need the sun. You need the light. You need natural light to illuminate the world around you, just show you the path to take. If we didn't have the sun and you were trying to walk, walk outside, you, you would run into all kind of creatures, you know, all the creatures of the night that would scare you to death or whatever. You have to have some kind of light. You carry a flashlight with you because in the darkness, you got to have light to know where you're going. In the dark, you're, you're vulnerable to all kinds of injuries. The sun also gives us life. Do you know that you couldn't live without the sun? We know that. First of all, plants eat light. Y'all know that, don't you? Plants, that's what they eat. Plants eat light. We eat plants that eat light. Or we eat animals that eat plants that eat light. Because we have to have that nourishment. So we couldn't do without that. And then on top of all of that, you got to have the light of the sun. You know the old vitamin D thing going? You got to have the light of the sun just to be healthy in your life. You've got to have what, what the sun brings you. Besides the fact that if we didn't have the sun, we'd all be frozen solid. The heat of the sun. You see how important natural light is? Well, that was the metaphor that God gave us about spiritual life. If, if natural light is necessary for us to see, to exist, to live, then spiritual light is also necessary for us. And that's what, we've, what we're talking about today. Natural light shows us the way to go. Natural light illuminates what's around us so we don't bump into stuff. And natural light sustains our physical life. So it is with spiritual light. So it is with the true light. So let's look at this. All right, let me make this statement, and I, I want to let you know why it's true. Number one, true light shows us the way we should go. Now, years ago, uh, uh, Peggy and I were we were sound asleep in the middle of the night, and, and um, uh, our our oldest daughter Lindsay had gone to spend the night with a friend, and we happened to have a, have a guest in our home. Uh, uh, the Stone family had gone on a missions trip, and we were keeping Morgan, who was, there's Morgan back there. <laughs> we were keeping Morgan when he was just like about a year old or something like that, and he was staying there with us. Betsy was just a, a year older or whatever than him, so they were all asleep. And in the middle of the night, the wind started picking up big time, and we heard a train, and, 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 and Peggy goes, wow, the wind is blowing. And I went, it's a tornado! 
and we jumped up. You ought to see. We jumped up, and, 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 and we realized we had to get downstairs. We heard things hitting the house and, and everything. So I said, I'll get Morgan. You get Betsy. So I went and scooped Morgan up, and I, I went, we went, had to go downstairs into the basement, which had no windows. And halfway down the stairs, of course, the lights go off. It's complete darkness. I'm downstairs with Morgan, who's sound asleep still, and I'm holding him, and I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just doing this, you know. And, and I realize, and I'm hearing things hitting the house, and I'm thinking, I've got to get over here into this corner as far underground as possible. And I just kept going, and then all of a sudden, I ran into the concrete wall with Morgan's head. And then immediately I thought, oh, God, have I broken the boy's neck? I was going, ah. It was panic city. Peggy was trying to get down the steps with Betsy. We were in complete darkness. Somehow, Peggy was able to, she knew more about the basement than I did, I guess. She found a light of some kind, a flashlight or something, and I confirmed that Morgan was indeed still asleep and not dead. It was, it was one of the, I, that was the darkest darkness I think I've ever been in in my life. Morgan, glad you're here, brother. <laughs> Undamaged in every way. So. But uh, I couldn't see my path. Do you ever feel like you're in a dark place spiritually? Do you ever feel like you're in a place with no clear path? You feel like even though you're a Christian, you're stumbling through life? You're stumbling, you're not sure exactly where you're going? You feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you yourself have to somehow figure it all out and you have no idea how to do that, no idea where to begin, what to try next. You try taking other people's advice and it doesn't work. None of the advice seems to pay off. You need light. And there's only one light that can show you what to do in that kind of place of darkness. And it's the light of Jesus Christ Psalm 119 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is true. It seems that the rich and the famous, when they get older in life, they're always looking for something to give them new purpose after the, the lights have gone down. Have you noticed that? They're always trying to find some kind of new activism to make them feel like they have purpose and can stay in the public limelight, you know, they become climate change warriors or they become uh, save the whale activists or, or uh, abortion rights experts or why buying gold is the best way to preserve your future or uh, proclaiming a belief in some religious fad or some overworked religious fraud that's been around for a while. But it's no different than me wandering around in the basement carrying precious cargo in my hands I have no idea where I'm going, but I've got somebody that I'm responsible for. It's like the blind leading the blind, and they'll both hit a wall eventually and cause a lot of damage, and they call that light. No. We use the word lost in church. We use the word lost to talk about those who don't believe in Jesus. They've never given their hearts to the Lord. We say that they're lost, and we say, are you saved or are you lost? But the truth is that there's a lot of Christians who know the Lord who, are, who seem to be walking in a lot of darkness, who seem to be just about as confused about their path and what's going on in their life. They're searching and struggling, aimless and lost, looking for human 
answers or scientific answers or psychological solutions for spiritual problems. Some of those solutions are not bad, but none of them, none of them can show the way. Only a personal relationship in the one who is the true light can show you the way when you don't know which way to go, when you need the path to, sh- to be clear in front of you. And he can show you. We know that path because of this. The Bible says this Bible gives us, in written word, the path to the light. That's why we treasure this. God uses this word to speak to you. God also uses, uh, when we learn how his Holy Spirit speaks, we learn to listen to the sound of his spirit. Sometimes, usually God talks to us in a whisper. But sometimes he talks to us through a dream or a vision or maybe through a word that someone brings to you. Or maybe through just a deep impression in your spirit and you learn how to take God's word and you learn how to listen to his spirit and all of a sudden in that place that you think I'm in darkness and I don't know what to do, God shows you what to do. I remember one time when I was, uh, several years ago, when I was really trying to make a decision about as I'm getting older, do I need to stop working with young people at that time? And I, I was going through that time and Peggy and I went to a conference and and we were, we were there, and I was just waiting on the Lord to speak to my heart, and, and I went up for prayer. And, I, and you know how you go up for prayer, and sometimes nobody finds you to pray for you? You just go up for prayer. And so I went up for prayer, and that was okay. I went for prayer, and this, this person that was laying hands and praying for people, he walked right by me. I was really hoping his hand would come over and hit me, but he just walked right by me, and then he turned around and looked at me. And I looked at him. It scared me to death. I looked at him, and he said, you are a father to many. It's not time to stop doing that. And I'll be honest with you, it was like somebody had flipped a light switch on to me. That was God speaking to me. I I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. (laughs) And he answered. And and if I I called him, I don't know who he was, but if I called him up tomorrow and say, hey, you got another word for me? He would go, who in the world are you? Because it wasn't him speaking to me. It was God. The same God that told him to tell me that in that moment of my time is the same God that will speak to me today, however he wants to speak. It's true. Okay, God shows us the way to go. And here's the other thing, number two. True light reveals what's true about our spiritual surroundings. Remember being a little kid and you were laying in your bed at night and you maybe heard a noise and you knew 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was a massive monster under your bed or a really, really man-eating beast in your closet. You knew it. It Or an axe murderer who had escaped prison or something. You knew it, depending on what you watched on TV that night. You knew that's what it was. Well, I, I used to, that used to wake up frightened like that and I would lay in my bed and my brother was in the bed with me. My brother's five years older than me. For years, we shared a little regular-sized bed, and he would draw his finger about two-thirds of the way across and say, don't you dare cross this line. So, so I, I learned to sleep on the edge of the bed, all right? So we were there, and I did not want to make, wake my brother up because he did not like being waked up. So I would think, 
if he would just turn the light on for me. I, I just need some light so I can know that the monster's gone, you know. And I'm laying there, and I'm, I'm thinking, I, I, I've got to do it. Finally, I go, I'll call for Dad. And I remember going, one, two, three. Oh, and I just couldn't pierce the darkness with my voice. And then finally, I got the courage that when I would hear that noise again, and I finally went, Daddy! And my brother goes, Mark, what's wrong with you? And Dad would come in. What is it? Dad, there's something under the bed. There's something in the closet. No, there's not, Mark, there's not. And he would turn on the light and show me it was okay. You know, I didn't need him so much to turn the light on as I needed him to walk in there and let me know he was in the house too. That's what God is for us. When we don't know and don't understand and don't discern, we're full of fear. When we don't know what the attack is that we're having right then, when we don't know what to do, God says, I'll be your light. I'll be the presence in your life. Matthew 4, 16, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the region in the shadow of death, is me in the bed at night, on them a light has dawned. For those who know and trust and follow Jesus with all their hearts is the confidence that his light will help us differentiate between what is wrong and what is right, what is fake and what is real, what is from Satan from what is from God. He's the light that helps us distinguish truth from deception, how to handle the attacks of the enemy through prayer, through spiritual warfare, how to trust him in the middle of our battles so that he can fight our battles for us. That's what God brings. Okay, he shows us the way to go. He reveals the surroundings so that we may discern. And third, true light gives us life. Just as the sun gives us life, the sun, S-O-N, shines and gives us light. Ephesians 5, 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Remember what David wrote earlier that I mentioned to you, this, this phrase that got me? For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. When you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you no longer have to walk in darkness. He is walking with you. And when he is walking with you, the light is with you, you can see what is the light. You can know what the light is. You can walk with Jesus and live with him and walk with him in the light. Without the relationship with Jesus, you walk in darkness. Listen carefully. Does that mean that dark things won't happen around you? Does that mean that you won't be affected by the darkness? No. It doesn't mean that at all. Darkness is still a thing. We live in a broken, dark world. We can't live our lives without encountering darkness in the world we live in. But the darkness doesn't have to live in us because the light lives in us. 
We become a receptacle for the light. We can be in a dark room, but we have the light inside of us. We have the light of life in our soul. We're in the world, not of the world. That's why 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah wrote this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born. A son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's what Christmas is about. That's what the lights are all about. Do you ever feel like that you're living in the land of darkness? Feeling far from God? Maybe this morning... There's friction in all of your relationships or some of your important relationships. There's a dark cloud you feel is hanging over you. Maybe sickness or disease. Maybe anxiety, depression, financial pressure. Maybe people have let you down. Maybe a lot of people have let you down. Important people have let you down. Or maybe you've let them down. Maybe you've let yourself down. Maybe you feel without purpose, without peace. The light has come, and his name is Jesus. Do you know that today, as we're talking about light, today is the fourth day of the Jewish feast called Hanukkah. It's called the Festival of Lights. It's actually called the Festival of Dedication or the Feast of Dedication from the, from the Bible. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Do you know that? He did. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, it says, during the Festival of Dedication or the Feast of Dedication, Jesus went to the temple to celebrate it. Let me tell you what it's, Hanukkah is all about. It's not in the Old Testament. It's not an Old Testament story. It happened between the Old and New Testament. It, about 150 years before Jesus, the Jewish people were under the thumb of a terrible dictator named Antiochus Epiphanes. And he was an awful, awful dictator. And he tried to destroy Judaism. And he went into the temple and put up a statue of Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. And he ordered the Jewish priests to sacrifice pigs on the altar of God and just desecrated the temple and he would kill the priests and he, it was very, very oppressive. But one day, some, some, a family, a family of young Jewish priests rose up and they, they started a rebellion that grew and grew and grew and grew until it drove all of the, the Seleucids, they were called, out of Jerusalem and Israel became a, an independent country again. And they had their temple back and they had to restore the temple and rededicate the temple. And they went in to cleanse it of all the pig blood and all the, the terrible things that had happened in the temple. And at that time, they had taken the, the seven-branch candlestick and cut the lights off, taken the candlesticks down. And the Jews gathered together and they were rededicating their temple to God and they, they had the seven-branch candlestick that represented the presence of God and they were going to relight it but they didn't have enough oil but to last for one day. But they took the oil and they filled the oil 
And for one day, they knew they would have the light and they dedicated the temple. And that oil miraculously remained for eight days. And for eight solid days, the, the flames continued. And they celebrated and they celebrated. It was called the miracle of the oil. And it was a reference to Zechariah's promise in the book of Zechariah when he talked about the oil and the lamps being constantly filled. And God gave them that. That's what they celebrated. And it was a celebration that in the middle of your dark moments, even for the people of God, there's enough oil that God will give you miraculously to keep your light going. That oil is here today. That presence of God is in this room today. Listen, we're going to experience darkness. In a broken world, darkness is still a thing. But because of Christmas, a light has dawned and His name is Jesus. Did you know that in that, what they, the, the Hanukkah candle has, has eight candlesticks, one for each day. Last night, the candle they lit was that the, uh, was because the darkness had come and the candles were out. Tonight's is when they rose up and said, no more. We are going to fight against the darkness. Tonight, they will celebrate fighting against darkness. And did you know that on that candlestick, there's a middle candlestick that's higher than the rest. And it's called the servant candle. The servant of God candle or the candle lighter that God sent. That one, they don't even know it. That one is Jesus. He's the one. And today I hold up that middle candle to you and say, Jesus right now has all the oil you need and will take and give you light in the middle of where you are in your darkness. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have one big question to ask you this morning. Can you trust Jesus in the dark times of your life? Will you be willing to trust him even when you don't see him? You don't feel him that much? Will you be willing to say, but I trust you? That'll make the difference. Uh, there was a story that I heard when I was a little kid, and I, I, I remember this story. It was really neat. It, it, it didn't mean the same th- to me as a child, but it does now. There was, a, there was a, an old blind man who went to a Christmas service in his church. He went to the church all the time, although he was blind. He had a cane. He made his way to church, and he enjoyed the service. And, after the service, the, a, a snowstorm had come, and it was a blizzard. And the, the pastor came and said to him, you don't need to go home alone. It, 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 it's, there's not good visibility. And this was back in the, in the former days. And said, there might be a carriage or a horse or whatever that might run into you if, if the snow gets to where they can't see. So you, you, you need me to take it. He said, no, 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 I'm fine. I've got my cane. He goes, no, you don't understand. It's going to be very low visibility. And he said, no, that's okay. I can do it. He said, well, let me give you this. And he said, here's a lantern. And I want you to take this lantern with you and, and keep it with you. And he said, why would I need a lantern? I'm blind. 
And he said, oh, that lantern's not for you. It's so that people will see that you're coming and they won't run into you. And he said, oh, thank you. That makes sense. So he took the lantern and he went off and sure enough, the, the blizzard kicked up and it was just tough and it was tough and he, he went along and then out of nowhere, boom, someone hit him, knocked him down. And uh, fortunately, he wasn't hurt. They got out and said, what's wrong? What happened? And he goes, why did you run into me? I had my lantern. He said, there was no light in the lantern. The wind had blown it out. The next day, he went back to the pastor and he said, you know, it's amazing. I, I had been to church and I didn't realize that my light had gone out. I didn't realize that I was walking and I was walking down a path I thought was right, but the light had gone out. I want to ask you, do you feel sometimes like your light went out? You know the Lord. You know him. It's not like you're lost without Jesus, but you feel like your light went out. Your connection with God went out. The light is here today to show you you need your light to be relit. The lamp God gave you, he wants to relight that today so that you can know how to go, how to discern, and you can have life in the darkness. Our world's not getting any lighter, but Jesus is, and his people are, in the middle of the darkness. You need the light. Would you stand with me? Our worship team's coming. They're going to sing a little bit about the light. And then in a moment, I'm going to ask those of you at home that are, that are with us watching online, if you would, you just tell the person that's there with you online, the prayer team member that's with you, say, pray for me. Pray for me right now. If you are in darkness today, in a moment, we're going to have some people that can help you relight that lantern of God's light. Or if you've never met him before, you can meet the light today. Good news, the light is coming.